0: The Around the League podcast starts now.
2: Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes. Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. How's everybody
3: doing? Well, we're doing just fine. It's Friday morning. And I guess the hesitation. Top
2: of the morning to you. Well, the
3: hesitation in our voices is, let's be honest, this show remains something of an audio grab bag, <laughs> and is. we were just told by our producer that uh, there was a VIP room we could be recording from, <laughs> uh, but
4: instead we're here. Doesn't audio grab bag sound like some great British indie rock band? Start
3: it up, British people. It sounds
2: good in general. There's nothing really good about it. TD, I believe, is aging by the day in like dog years trying to figure this out. He's totally gray now. He's got a long, bushy white beard. He's going to figure this
5: out, though. And he can't defend himself because I'm wearing his headset right now.
2: Yeah, so we're dealing with our technical difficulties. You know, we talked about this on uh, Wednesday's show, and we're working through it, so just bear with us. We have what I like to call a great show today. Gentlemen, uh, we're going to. Trope alert. <laughs> That's a trope in <laughs> itself, yeah. Uh, we're going to really dig in. Many camps are over, right? There's. What is the schedule? It's over. It's over now. It's all over. All the teams are now on a
5: break until training camp starts. Everybody gets a, a month off. Not us. I think the Rams still have OTAs, but mini camps are over. The Rams are weird. They you don't even what, do a mini camp. They sign Come everyone on. at the same time. You know, relax, Rams, by the way. You're not special. Oh, you by know. the way, there's a Rams day next week. I was informed on NFL a week, Network. A week from today, Friday. Watch out for that. Yeah.
2: So, so. But the main point being that – with the exception of the precious Rams, everyone else is taking off a month before training camp. So we're going to now take that opportunity now look back on the past two weeks of mini camps and OTAs and, and choose the winners and the losers. So we're going to go around the room a few times and nominate different winners and losers, Oh, purely in the football sense. I'm not, we don't want people to think that we view uh, player X as a total loser as a human, but just you know how the last couple of weeks played out. We'll get into that. That will be the heart of our show. And
5: to clarify, yes, Greg? none of these wins or losses count in the standings. So they're losers. But if we call you a loser, you still have a chance. Zero, zero.
2: Yeah. And while we're on the topic, if you're listening to the podcast right now, total winner. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, but before we get into that, the big, meaty, juicy topic, we have the great TD, Not Behind the Glass, how are you, buddy? What's going on, fellas? How was the feedback? I know you're you're trying to get out of the Gold standard's shadow in terms of the tr- news transition. Uh, gold Standard, of course, said, "Let's do it," which became iconic. Your first one on Wednesday was what was it again? Let's go, which you know, middling yeah. middling effort, and also the response <laughs> lukewarm. Let's be Good honest. Good song
4: yeah. by the Cars, though. A warm up a shot. Solid song, yeah. Layup line. Yeah, so yeah.
2: we're going to now move into the news portion of the program, and it will be TD's take two for uh, the intro. So let's do some news, TD.
3: Let's jump right into it.
2: <laughs> wow. <laughs>
3: I, I feel like the pressure's building.
2: And I don't know, TD, I know in your mind maybe you wanted to do, uh, to edit that, because, but I want you to let the, the uncomfortable silence hang in the room because TD – Paused for up to five seconds almost as we all stared at him. He collected his thoughts and then delivered his latest phrase. Let's just say I had something else in the bag and then the stage was set. I was like, no, I want to switch it up. So you know, little little switcheroo. Alright, well yeah. I liked
3: it. I also liked known it. as jitters.
2: <laughs> the yips. <laughs> Um, All right, let's do some news. All right, so we got into some heated debate on Wednesday's show about the Jets camp, specifically Michael Vick and Geno Smith and whether it is a circus or not. Now it's going to get potentially even more interesting in the studio right now. Some heat between the Jets and Browns. Mark, of course, a Browns fan. Rex Ryan, Jets coach, is livid at his former, as Wes put it in our post, first lieutenant and current Browns coach Mike Patton, who recently told an anecdote in a piece by uh, Greg Bedard of Monday Morning Quarterback in which he revealed that the Jets playbook w- may have ended up in the hands of Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. Uh, according to Bedard's story, Petten said that uh, he gave the playbook to Nick Saban, the Alabama coach, who has mutual friendships with both Ryan and Bill Belichick, of course, and Brady seemed to hint at this wedding that, The Patriots had gotten their hands on it. Rex not happy. Ryan's quote during his Thursday press conference, I don't understand what he's trying to gain by it, Ryan said of Pettin. Everyone needs to talk to Mike Pettin because he's got all the answers. Mark, I turn to you. Your thoughts on this matter.
3: I mean, I think if you look at what Rex Ryan did when he first came to New York, top order of business was to point up at New England and shove it right in Belichick's face and say, not afraid of anyone we're coming at you, we're the Jets. It's not the same thing, but what Pettin to me, is so far as Cleveland's coach is a guy that doesn't pull punches, isn't afraid to pull the, the curtain back. And I I kind of believe Pettin. I believe his account of things. And I don't really – I think when you look at Rex's reaction and Belichick's, it tells me more. Well, I don't think that
2: anyone's questioning whether Petten was telling the truth to Greg Bedard. I think what more seemed to miff Rex, and Ryan and Pettin were very close at one time. We don't know what the relationship is at right now, but it seems as if Rex is a little miffed that this was even put out there as in an anecdote in this otherwise positive piece on Pettin, and it makes Rex look bad.
3: Well, it might shatter the coaching fraternity wall a bit to share this information. Right. I don't think it's a
4: matter of whether it's a true story or not. It's whether your friend should go around telling that story that makes Rex look like Rex look like a bumbling idiot.
5: Rex tried to make the case that it disrespects the Patriots, too. It's strange to see Rex and Bill Belichick on the same side of things, basically saying, look, people have playbooks all the time. It's not about knowing the playbook. This is disrespecting Bill Belichick and the Patriots' legacy, you know, to say that they had some unfair advantage. I think it's something if it's just these guys talking at a party or a bar, they'd just be giving each other grief about it, and it's not that big a deal. I mean, that's what happened at this wedding, basically Brady is talking with Wes Welker's buddy who was on the Jets' staff and kind of just talking trash that they had their playbook. That's why they got him.
2: Jonathan Franklin's NFL career appears to have reached a sudden conclusion. Packers coach Mike McCarthy announced Thursday that the running back won't return for a second season with the team due to a neck injury. Shortly thereafter, Franklin posted on his Twitter page a message where he said, uh, Unfortunately, this week I've been ruled out for returning for the season and returning to play in the NFL. So it appears once again the Packers are snake bit here with neck injuries, and Franklin, who was a fourth-round pick last year and a promising guy that they kind of saw as a change of pace back coming into the league with Eddie Lacy, is now suddenly out of the picture.
5: Kind of a bummer. It's a huge bummer. By all accounts, he's a likable guy. You interviewed him last year. Andy. I did at a rookie event. At an L.A. public school,
2: and he couldn't have been a nicer guy. I remember talking to him about making the transition uh, to Green Bay, where there, you know he'd never been to Wisconsin and, and seen that many white people before, and it, he kind of, it was very good-natured <laughs> about it, and it was a, a, you know it was a guy that you wanted to root for. And if you remember, at that time, uh, Franklin was getting more buzz than Lacey initially, as a guy that could come in and make an instant impact. And of course, Lacey became the star
5: this year, and now Franklin is out of the picture. He was one of those guys going into the draft that people thought could be a first, second-round pick, was sort of a draft-nick favorite, had one big game for them last year, and it's just crazy how this keeps happening to
4: the Packers. This is, what, the third neck injury? Fourth? Fourth. <laughs> Beat writer Jason Wildy had a list of seven or eight since the year 2000. Wow. That doesn't even include Sterling Sharp in the early to mid-'90s. Terrence Murphy was the guy
5: that his career ended, right, the second-round pick. Finley, Jermichael Finley, of course, Nick Collins. Nick Collins.
3: One thing it tells me for teams that have a dire need like Green Bay did at running back last year was, I like the idea, and the Patriots have done this a couple of years in the row with certain position groups, is attack the draft and, and get multiple running backs because odds are, whether it's by injury or just a performance, one of these guys aren't going to work out.
4: If there's a, a bright side for Jonathan Franklin, it's that he's a guy who doesn't just identify himself as a football player. He said last year, last summer, look, my mission in life is to become mayor of Los Angeles. So he might be our mayor someday. All right, come on he's, over. I we could use like
5: some leadership. I like that. He
4: told the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel football does not define us. I love the game and I have a passion for it. But the game is not just me. I'm more than just a game. I feel it's great to show that to everybody. It Mm. teaches you not to be limited in life. Can he get us into the VIP room? Ooh. What is his platform (laughs) for
5: helping podcasts in Los Angeles? I like this And if he does run for office,
2: will Brett Favre speak on his behalf in a campaign? All these things lie ahead. Uh, Moving forward, what is going on with NoShan Moreno? The Miami Dolphins running back has been taking snaps behind Lamar Miller, we knew, but also Daniel Thomas and Damian Williams and Orleans Darkwa and Mike (laughs) Gillesey. Is that a Gillesie and Marcus Thigpen, which I think that's a made up name. These these are all guys that aren't even in the mix. Moreno is not even practicing. He was running off to the side. Greg Rosenthal, you uh, wrote that it was a, a site that was uh, invoked memories of a late career Albert Hainsworth.
5: <laughs> what is going on with Sean Moreno? Well, there's one thing about sitting on the bench. There's another. If you're being humiliated and doing something separate of the rest of your teammates, that you're not even allowed to practice with them, apparently because he's out of shape. Joel Philbin, the coach. And Moreno have both alluded to that he wasn't in great shape when he showed up, but then Moreno started talking about the humidity in Miami. That was a difficult transition for him. Uh, he also started talking about he needs to start working out with a trainer, you know, before training camp. He's never done that before, and then a report came out that he's got an illness. Just something strange is going on here, and I'm wondering if NoShan Moreno makes the
4: Dolphins. I've got a theory about what's going on here all right Let's hear it he's clearly sabotaging this whole effort so he can get back to Denver <laughs> and and be the pass catching back for the Broncos Denver didn't want him now we're knowing now we're learning why
5: Denver refused to pay a guy who had fifteen hundred yards and thirteen touchdowns last year even two and a half three million dollars they're like no thanks we'd rather just not have you and maybe Whatever this is, maybe that's why.
3: And talk about a guy that doesn't fit the mold playing with Peyton Manning who asks you to work harder than really any quarterback in football.
5: $1.25 million this year guaranteed for Moreno between his signing bonus and his salary. So they would have to – that's a pretty – bad look if you drop a guy after giving him a million point two five but they'd still save money. They still would have to pay him another million point seven five to keep him. So I I really wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't make. Are we
3: sure that Devon Bess hasn't returned to Miami kidnapped NoShawn Moreno and is on Miami's field in No Sean Moreno's helmet and jersey pads, pants and shoes. It's an option. It's probably not the case.
4: I watched some Broncos games on Game Rewind last night, and I have a prediction. Okay. Peyton Manning's going to miss no Sean Marino in the passing game. Maybe he he will go back there. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
3: Let's keep dialing this up. That's cool. They have talked about Monte Ball as seeing more work and doing a better job in the passing game, but you're not buying that. I,
4: I think Monte Ball can do basic things. No Sean Marino had a mind meld with Peyton Manning. Manning would look at all of his options and know exactly where Marino was at all times, and Marino bailed him out on a lot of third downs and a lot of plays where the pocket was breaking down.
5: This sets up, though, one of the most unexplained phenomenons in our entire culture. The year after making the leap, Making the leap bump. Lamar Miller, oh, your yeah. boy, <laughs> top five on the list last year. Maybe he gets it just a year later. Maybe we're a little premature. People talk about that all the
2: time.
3: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> a phenomenon. Uh,
2: TJ Yates wasn't released by the Houston Texans after all. Houston reversed course Wednesday and traded the quarterback to the Atlanta Falcons in exchange The Texans received linebacker Akeem Dent. A good landing spot for Yates, who now becomes what appears to be the clear backup behind Matt Ryan. Um, the Falcons also released Dominique Davis on Thursday. So that cleared up this situation even more.
4: If Matt Ryan didn't get injured last year when he was getting hit on every other drop back, he's not going to get injured this year. It doesn't really matter who their backup is.
2: Dominique. Davis. Are you calling Matt Ryan invincible? <laughs> <I> think, <laughs> wow. That is
4: a bold statement. I think they have a majorly upgraded offensive line and he, he's, he's
3: probably safe. He doesn't miss games. And that's lucky because TJ Yates is his backup. <laughs> well, yeah. but if you're Yates, you I, I could see every one of those quarterbacks in Houston getting a start this season. That has potential to melt into chaotic rivers. And <laughs> Yates, <laughs> meanwhile, River. this is exactly correct by Wes. Yates is couched in Atlanta where we will never hear from him ever again. Have a nice life. Is TJ he Yates. a corporeal entity? At this point, he has vanished
5: into another world. By this way, <laughs> this was our test of whether we can really take a – Almost insignificant news item and quickly just say something about it and then move on. We've always wanted to do that and try, but we we can't. You you just doubled
4: it it right there. And
2: somehow (laughs) that that news item that was supposed to be very brief included a reference to chaotic rivers. (laughs) All right, let's move on, guys. That's the news. Before we get into the winners and losers of minicamp, I wanted to just uh, run something by... Kevin Patra, the great Kevin Patra, coming at you, our Chicago ATL correspondent, got back to me. I I, I think I, I heard some feelings on Wednesday's pod where I, I called Patra the manliest member of the ATL podcast. Certainly hurt Greg and Mark's feelings. because You I, didn't hurt my feelings. It sounded like I wasn't even considering them, and I said that he had beaten out Wes. So first of all, I want to apologize. That's not how I meant it. But I also want to now fill you in on what Patra had to say about this because he uh, he listened, of course. Here's a direct quote from Kevin Patra. Wes and I would be a good match. He's got the weight and old man strength, but I can take a punch and let him wear himself out. Mickey Ward style. Copious beers would also need to be consumed first. So, you know, interesting.
4: I think not only am I older, but I have a major experience edge on him.
2: Right. Well, usually that goes hand in hand. What do you mean? Oh, you mean in the realm of, oh, fisticuffs.
4: I don't know,
3: physical stamina. I'm not sure I would take you over Patra.
4: Keep in mind I have six brothers. Mm. That's true.
3: I know nothing of Patra in a tavern. It, you know, in terms of when he gets uh, irritated, but I have seen Wes <laughs> uh with lathered up to some degree. I wouldn't go near him with a 15-foot pole. Oh, wow, that's a long pole. I mean, pole. this guy needs his space and <laughs> I wouldn't touch him in a fight. And I, I know, would want him on my side. If
2: anyone's ever happened to Upon Wes in a Huckapoo's parking lot when things are going down, this guy he brings the hammer and he doesn't stop. He doesn't let up until it's over. So. But he's
3: an arm of justice. He's going to fight for what's right. That's what I do know about him. Justified.
2: All right, so good. I just wanted to get that out there, gentlemen. Mini camps over, except for the precious Rams. Let's talk about it. Winners and losers. Do we want to start positive or do we want to start negative? Let's start there. Let's start up. Let's give some positives out there. Right. Like it was
4: that. much harder to find winners than losers.
2: Yeah. Well, as the NFL's resident cynic, that checks out.
4: I don't believe I'm cynical.
5: You don't? No. Hmm. What do you guys think? I don't know if cynical is the right word. I would say philosophical. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that, Mark. You're a good guy. <laughs> brown noser. All right, Why would go. I
3: need to brown nose Wes? We're
5: friends. Well, you just said he's the toughest guy on the block in our group.
3: I said he's potentially tougher than Patra.
5: Maybe you're afraid of him. Well, we weren't even considered. And by the way, no apology necessary for that. I wouldn't consider me either. I wasn't considering myself
2: either. That's why (laughs) I I didn't think it was uh, offensive, but it seemed to go down the wrong way. (laughs) Um, All right. So let's start with Mark Sessler, who has good things to say about everyone at all times. So let's start with him.
3: Well, my fire was stolen on both of my winning <laughs> subjects by our news grab early in the in the show. But I went Lamar Miller because actually wrote What's in a, a news piece. Grab? I don't even know what that means. I think Wesleyan, <laughs> what he saw in Lamar Miller a year ago still holds true. And the Dolphins have said that their one goal is to get their running backs in space for big plays, which is something they didn't do last year. And that is ideal for Lamar Miller. And I, I don't know what's going to happen with, with Moreno. I, I'm not that overly concerned with his fitness at this point. He's got time to fix that up. But I think that Miller is more what they want in this offense. And he's going to have that season that Wesleyan thought he would last year. He's in there getting the reps. He's proving it. That's my first winner. Have it,
2: didn't we give up on Lamar Miller, though, ten weeks until last season or even before that? Prematurely.
3: Who's, who's this hemo Hemosabi?
2: I don't know. I thought, well, I remember you were the biggest Lamar Miller fan. And then you, I remember bringing it up during the podcast as the season progressed and you acknowledge that it didn't work out. Do you think it's going to be a big difference this year?
4: I think his biggest weakness was a lack of power. And apparently he's bulked up. Joe Philbin has addressed this during the offseason, that he looks more powerful. He's told him he needed to be able to break tackles, and it looks like this is something he's going to be able to do. But I would say that's his biggest bugaboo. He has to, he has to be able to break tackles and run inside. Well, what he has going for him is the
5: same thing that Bill Lazor has going for him, and that's that Mike Sherman is no longer involved. I think it's addition by subtraction, and that whole offense could be better, even if
3: Lazor is just fine. Well, in Lazor, when we talked to him, the one thing that he – I said, give me the one takeaway about your offense. What's the number one thing? And he went in a direction I didn't think he would. He said the story of our offensive line. He said what's going to happen from where we were last year to Mm. this year is going to be the thing that people talk about when they talk about the Dolphins. That's better for Tannehill and for Miller.
2: Wesling, your uh, pick for a winner.
3: Let's
4: go to my old hometown of Cincinnati. Offensive coordinator Hugh Jackson is Ooh. a big offseason winner. Tasty. Mm. I love that he didn't go the uh, defer to a veteran route. They drafted Jeremy Hill, immediately put him above Ben Jarvis Green Ellis, who looked, frankly, like he was on his last legs last year. And now they have Gio Bernard in increased role. One of the things that watching Bengals games, I think we all said last year, they need to get Gio Bernard more involved. The ball moves more when he's involved. So now they have him and a better power back in Jeremy Hill. So you have those two running backs in the backfield. Greg did a making the leap piece on Marvin Jones, who whenever I, I looked at, went back and watched game rewind, all he does is make plays. So they've got A.J. Green who draws double teams. Marvin Jones is taking advantage of single teams. You've got two good running backs, and you've got two quality tight ends in Gresham and Tyler Effort. They've got as many weapons as anybody.
5: I mean, also, when are Bengals fans getting rid of Jay Gruden? Maybe it's not that. Jay Gruden did fine in Cincinnati. But Hugh Jackson is almost underrated for what he's done in the pros. The Raiders have not been above average in yards gained other than two years of the last 11. And those two years were Hugh Jackson's two years. Hugh Jackson led a team that had, was quarterbacked by Carson Palmer, Bruce Gradkowski, and I forget who else was splitting time, Jason Campbell. Jason Campbell. To the top ten. Those were two top ten offenses
4: the years. Jackson Also had in. really the only two good years of Darren, Mc, Darren McFadden's career.
3: And a wildly cunning individual because he got the <laughs> Bengals – to trade Carson Palmer for a a couple high draft picks and then gets fired and goes to Cincinnati and helps use those draft picks Mm. to build his offense, which he's now in control of.
4: I get what you're saying here with the wink. A mad genius.
3: There's something going
4: on behind the scenes there.
5: Greg, your winner. Let's start with my boy, Robert Woods. He didn't make it to making the leap, (laughs) but he's got to make it to this segment. Yeah, I was reading on ESPN.com, uh, Mike Rodak, who does a good job with the Bills, he was saying how Mike Williams hasn't really been running with the first team, hasn't looked special this offseason. Also pointed out Sammy Watkins has had some drops, not really worried about that long term. Robert Woods hasn't dropped a pass in all of OTAs. He's locked into the starting lineup. He's got a rapport with EJ Manuel the other guys don't have.
4: Sticking with my boy Woods. Wes. He hasn't dropped a pass in non-contact practice. He didn't drop a pass all of it's last like year. It's like asking your four-year-old son in the backyard not to drop a pass while you're playing catch. All right, what's what's a wide receiver's <laughs> foremost job, Wesleyan?
5: Make plays. You make plays, catch the ball. All In all of last year, how many times did Robert Woods drop a pass sent to him?
4: According to my boss in the newsroom <laughs> earlier this morning, zero.
5: That's it. That, by the way, that wasn't a confirmation of your
2: stat. That was Wes throwing it back at you. That, that came from you, and he doesn't <laughs> believe I it. Whatever. It's,
4: no, it's a stat. I it's a fact. No, I have no, no qualms with Robert Woods' hands. I believe he has excellent hands, and he'll sell his body out to make a catch.
5: We made a sandwich bet. Who's going to lead the Bills in receiving yards? And I'm feeling better about it after this OTA session. I That's would, it.
4: I have no qualms about that proposition.
5: Who do you think will lead?
4: I have the entire Bills <laughs> roster outside of Robert Woods. Wow. I also but get, I think it will be Sammy Watkins.
2: I mean, I would hope so considering what they gave
5: up for the guy. He better be making an instant impact. Right. Well, I also get a potato salad and a sandwich. <laughs> so potato that's that oh,
2: Sounds awful. Po- potato salad is such a low leverage side dish in my opinion. Like what are you really getting out of You at know a what I salad? forgot
4: to <laughs> I I should have told you this up front, but the original proposition was lunch. You should be getting a potato
3: salad anyway. Mmm. By the way, potato I have to salad in my top five dishes that I do not trust unless I know the person who made it. I'm with and you I that. don't eat it anyways. It, if, <laughs> if,
5: if my negotiating was this bad with all of your contracts, this place would just go under. I don't know.
4: <laughs> or else we'd be happy men. All
5: right. I will throw out another
2: wide receiver. And I think, Wes, you might disagree with it, but let's roll with it and we're going to stay positive. Reuben Randall. Wide receiver, New York Giants. Um, according to uh, NJ.com, said that he continues to have a strong offseason. That was in a report earlier this week. Obviously, this is a uh, great situation. Randall is, has the season. You got Victor Cruz. Got Odell Beckham in the mix. Uh, it seems like Randall is going to get plenty of work um, out wide as a, as an impact receiver for them. I'm feeling good about not just Randall, but this entire Giants offense. You know, it's big that you have Eli back, and he's working with the team after ankle surgery. You have Ben McAdoo in an offense coordinator that was kind of overdue with Kevin Gilbride, who you know had his moments with the team, but those those days had passed. It seemed by the end of last season, this is a team that not a lot of people are talking about, despite them being the New York Giants. And I think Eli's going to bounce back. I think Ruben Randall's going to be a part of that reason, and I think this offense is going to score points.
4: Ruben Randall also revealed that the coaching staff sat him down and basically said, put the fork down, Susie.
5: <laughs> Winner. But
4: the way, you interesting, say no yeah. one's talking about
5: the Giants. You are always talking about the Giants. What you love the, the Giants. You, you love the Giants.
4: I think uh, I like Odell Beckham better than Reuben Randall. I mean, if you've listened to Dave Gettleman, the Panthers GM has been raving about Odell Beckham, that he was the only wide receiver in the draft whom you couldn't question his route running, that he is pro-ready, and every other receiver in the draft is not.
2: Do you, so what do you uh, let's talk over under West Ruben Randall, sixty catches.
4: That's a good that's a good line right there. I would go slightly under nine hundred yards. Slightly under seven touchdowns.
3: I think he hit that one on the head. Okay. I think it's interesting that you mentioned that the coaching staff had those words for him because when we when Greg and I were in Orlando, Coughlin would not stop talking about Ruben Randall's a guy that. Not, we think he can step. He has to step up this season. He has to get it done. And we haven't seen, you know, Eli's had his issues, obviously, but we haven't seen that receiving core fully healthy in a long time. And when they were, whether you like Gilbride or not, he was running run and shoot elements with that team. They haven't been able to do what they want to do. I think the coordinator switch is interesting.
2: All right, let's talk some losers. And again, not losers in the human sense, but losers in mini camp OTAs the last couple of weeks. We'll start with you, Mark Sessler.
3: I am going to shift into loser in the human sense. <laughs> wow. No, because the the chance to play in the NFL is obviously something that no one's going to get to do except the to- total cream of the crop. But if you're Kyle Orton, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> what you can do Kyle is Orton. decide, I'm sitting on a multi-million dollar deal, but I just don't care enough. And I care so little that I'm going to sabotage my teammates and force them to be one snap away from Brandon Whedon being your starting quarterback. With, by the way, Tony Romo in ill shape. I don't like the guy's attitude. I think he's (laughs) not been clear from the start in terms of, if you want to get out of this, let the Cowboys know and get this situation figured out half a year ago or right at the end of the season so they have a chance to go out and draft someone or get a real backup. Now they're in peril, and that team does not have any inches to give up they're on the cusp of being a three-win team if Romo goes down.
2: Well, that, that, first of all, that's not Kyle Orton's problem. He doesn't care what's going on with the Cowboys if he's intending to retire. My second point, I want to bring up a parallel to Mark Sessler. <laughs> Earlier in your career, before you started working in the NFL, you worked <laughs> at a mid- to upper-tier investment firm of some kind. Is that about right?
3: Accurate enough? I'm not yes. sure which one. And you had a nice to. job
2: and you did, you did the job well and you had an opportunity to move up in the job and build a real career for yourself. And you walked away one day because you said, I'm not into it. And mm. you walked away from good money potentially and a secure career because you wanted to do something else. Would you be called a loser for that?
3: I did that to come to the NFL. Well,
2: okay, but that's a different <laughs> NFL we're talking about. What if has his version of a different NFL?
3: In that previous employment, I served
4: drinking lemonade, which sounds good, doesn't it?
3: Well, good for him. I'm not saying he can't make the choice. In that job, I served villainous people driving around in cream colored Porsches. I had nothing to do with that lifestyle. Orton is leaving a tight knit locker room capsized. I don't like the whole way it's going down.
4: Here's the problem Kyle Orton is a bon vivant in the body of an NFL quarterback. If this was the late 60s, he'd be Don Meredith. So why is that, uh, Don Meredith? Give the audience for,
2: and myself a little more. Well, if you've like explanation.
4: read North Dallas Forty, or if you're familiar with any of the old Monday Night Football tales, Don Meredith was among the biggest partiers in NFL history.
5: Many, he owned many cream-colored Porsches. <laughs> I <heard. laughs> so, I mean, what Kyle Orton? What do you think, Greg? A uh, villain of the human form. Look, I'm not going to get in the way of this whole Mark Orton thing. I enjoy watching it. Uh, I'd love to bring the two of them together and see if they can squash it. But for right now, they're working things out.
3: I think he'd be fun to hang out with. Don't get me wrong. It's, I don't I, think you'll I, be hanging no, out no, with him. No, I won't be attempts. No, but I don't. But from this angle, this specific angle, I've made myself clear. All right, Wes. That will be Start tough to match. Your turn. Losers. Loser. Yeah.
4: I mean, these, these people seem like they're, they're probably nice people, but right. Houston Texans fans. Oh, wow. Okay, you be know careful now you're here. trolling. All right. I'm not trolling, but look, you're a Texans fan. You've got an established mediocrity and a mysterious mediocrity in, in your quarterback <laughs> core. In my world, I would much rather have a mysterious mediocrity playing quarterback than an established mediocrity. <laughs> they're going to have Ryan Fitzpatrick, owner of a 350 lifetime winning percentage, as their quarterback. And their best player in franchise history has basically said all offseason, I don't want to be associated with this franchise anymore. So you're it's called, not a great offseason for the Houston Texans fans.
2: It, it's an important distinction. You're saying it's more they're losers but not because of something they did. It's something that's being done to them. Exactly. Yeah,
4: that's fair. So they're not really losers. They're right. more
3: like fools. If you go back <laughs> – I'm just kidding. That was <laughs> totally <kidding>. – <laughs> That Texans owner, when they fired – Kubiak and talked about what was ahead boldly talked about the Texans as a team still knocking on the Super Bowl door that was about Mm -hmm. to make a bold new move change things up make some tweaks and get right back into the playoff hunt. That cannot be what he envisioned many months ago. The fact that he's got Ryan Fitzpatrick saddled as his starter at this point. Couldn't agree more with the West I feel bad for that fan base.
2: With all due respect to owners who pay for this podcast and everything else that's going on right now one thing about when they make those assertions or proclamations about a team, I don't know if they quite really know about the true structure of the team. So when Bob McNair said that he thought the Texans last year's 2-14 was a bump in the road, I'm not sure he quite understood the problems that the franchise one, was facing one from a roster lining standpoint.
4: Here. silver lining. It, it's the offseason. There really are no winners and losers. Right, Like and we've said, the scoreboard hasn't happened. If Jadevian Clowney is what some people think he is, and he gets healthy. And, and he gets healthy. That's another bad thing. I mean, the, the number one pick in the draft had hernia surgery. That but if it's worth noting, if come January, Jadavion Clowney has double-digit sacks and looks like a matchup nightmare for offensive linemen for the next decade. I think Texans fans will say, "All right, that was worth the trade-off to watch Ryan Fitzpatrick all year."
5: They were historically unlucky. They just need to get a little luckier to win seven games this year in that terrible division. Would not be that surprising. Greg, give us a loser. Well, let's go with the obvious choice. I'll combine a couple. The Cardinals and the Cowboys both lost dynamic inside linebackers for the season. You know, we can talk who didn't look good on the field. These are real problems that are going to completely change their seasons. Daryl Washington, we think of as one of the most underrated players in the league. Sean Lee is one of the best inside linebackers in football, too. Both of those defense already looked like they had problems. Uh, rather, sorry, the Cowboys' defense already looked like it had a big problem. The Cardinals, I think, will be okay. But these are major hits for the offseason. This is basically the worst things that can happen to you in the offseason. It happens to a couple teams each year. This year it's the Cowboys and the Cardinals.
4: You know, Greg came in, and, and it looked like around the newsroom he had rekindled a made a September romance with Carson Palmer. Hmm. So I went and uh, watched some Carson Palmer film yesterday And I watched the Colts game, and honestly, it was one of the best games by any quarterback all year. That's what I'm saying. And then I watched some other games. But I saw enough (laughs) in that one game to kind of rethink what I thought of of Carson Palmer. This could have been the team of ATL. This can still be the team of ATL. It can't can't be the ATL because here's why. Daryl Washington, one of of their their top four players in the team. Carlos Dansby. Just pretend he wasn't there to begin with. Carlos Dansby, <laughs> one of the best inside linebackers in football last year. Tyron Matthew won't be on the field until October probably. Three of their top players will not be on. They're not going to be as exciting to watch.
2: Next man
5: up. That's what they say. Next team of ATL up. It's not the healthiest <laughs> team in the NFL. They've still got a lot of dynamic players. They and, don't excite me And anymore. to throw them out because their inside linebackers are hurt, come on. Wes is going to be
2: a hard man to turn when it comes to the team of ATL. You're going to have to really
4: – I told you, I am more have, invested in this than you guys. I've been doing this for 15 or 20 years because I don't have yeah. a team. I always <laughs> pick my own team every year.
3: This feels like having an argument with you know, maybe a previous girlfriend where you realize at some point in the middle of this three-week debate, if you don't essentially just agree <laughs> – you, it's not going to go well, is and this, you just is agree. Is this really
2: the team of Wes? Is that what <laughs> it's is really what
3: us? it is? Hey, look, I have a list of teams that it will be acceptable. No, and it is a team
5: yeah, of one. I'm, and I'm, yeah, we're going to block some of those. Forget the team of Wes. Yeah, you got to play ball, Wes, or it's going to get dirty. This you isn't. Know I mean? This isn't a. I don't know what you would call it, autocracy. No,
4: I said I have a list of teams. I'm not. I'm not saying it has to be the Steelers.
2: All right, more loser talk. <laughs> The Dallas Cowboys lost Jason Hatcher to the um, Washington Redskins in the off season, And it, at the time, it seemed like maybe a questionable move by the Redskins. And now it, it really does. This was a guy on the wrong side of 30 that had some passing knee issues. And now he went under the knife for uh, arthroscopic knee surgery. They say he's out four to six weeks, which would mean he'd be back in plenty of time for the season. But who knows how this stuff really works out. And it's just once again, the Redskins seemed to be failing over and over again in free agency and not making smart decisions. And, you know, although this wasn't necessarily tied into what happened on the field, in general it was not a great week for the Redskins with this name change thing going on again and you have some the government getting involved on some level. And you have to imagine that that name name change Hmm. or the issue with the name is starting to creep into, obviously, the organization. It's a distraction at this point. But at what point does it become an issue for the players who are probably asked about it all the time? So I I can't imagine the Redskins were uh, bummed to see this week come to an end.
3: Uh, You made a good point about the Redskins' decisions. Who is making the decisions for this team, do you think, when it comes down to core Hmm personnel moves because Bruce Allen Jay Gruden is it I think it's Jay Gruden or is is it San Diego's old general manager who we sat next (laughs) to on an airplane I think he is rolling the dice on some of these moves I don't think it's Bruce Allen who has very little personnel experience it's I think it's Jay Gruden he's run teams before he's been in the NFL
5: he was not only the GM of his arena league team he was the president I mean we can say, oh, that's the Arena League. You try to run a professional football league team. I mean, There's a lot that goes into it, and Jay Gruden has that sort of experience. To me, I bet he is the guy pulling the strings. And
2: if Jason – let's say Jason Hatcher – uh, ends up getting some swelling on the knee midway through training camp, and he ends up going on short-term IR, or it becomes a whole situation. Who's getting to the quarterback for the Redskins, and how is that defense going to get better? Ryan
4: Arakpo it, and Ryan Kerrigan?
2: Do you, do you believe that, that Arakpo I don't think was,
4: Hatcher's job – this is why I, I, I was kind of scratching my head at the signing anyway. He should be a three-technique nose tackle, and they're going to play him at defensive end. In Jim Haslett's defense, the defensive ends aren't pass rushers. The outside linebackers are so I think it's a little like I never really understood that signing to begin In with. In Jim
3: Hazlitt's defense, you give up
5: 400 plus yards a game. <laughs> <laughs> this this is one of the most fascinating teams. I will never support them for the team of around the league, but you made
4: that abundantly clear.
5: If we were making a list of teams that I feel like could have the biggest range of the worst season possible to the best, the Redskins are near the top of that. I could see them being great if everything goes right and I could see them being 3 and 13. Okay, we have a couple minutes left, so uh, why don't we kind of go
2: around the table and make maybe a quick case, a winner or a loser, or both. You can knock out a couple if you want, and uh, we'll try to get through this and get everybody out on the table. Oh, wow. So this is what I call, and
5: I invented this term, the lightning round. If I had known that, I wouldn't have mentioned Robert Wood so early. I would have just tried to sneak <laughs> in. Yeah, because that's the, the, that was the kind ice of a, scene on the cake. That was kind of a joke. <laughs>
2: All right, this is what they call the, quote, Lightning round. Mark Sessler, go!
3: Going to go quickly. I I like what Mike Pettin has done. I I think right out of the gate, first press conference (laughs) at the (laughs) combine. Hold on, first press conference had to defend the fact that the team wanted Jim Harbaugh more. Shot it right back in everyone's face. Has handled Johnny Manziel, everything else very well. Go West. Wesley!
4: I've got a quick winner, Derek Carr, quick loser, Michael Vick, Derek Carr, because last night I did a little exercise. I ranked 1 through 32. Which expected starting quarterback I would like to have at the helm of my team? Matt Schaub was number 32, just mm. ahead of Chad Henney. <laughs> Derek Carr has looked good. In uh, training camp, has already bypassed Matt McGloin for the number two role. is putting pressure on Schaub. Mike Vick, because of what I said yesterday about the regret scale, he clearly wishes he had signed with another team. By right the team. way, I changed 32 diapers last night. So. <laughs> uh Winner,
5: I'm going to go Teddy Bridgewater. It's always tough to figure out what positive reviews matter, what don't. Just using my spidey sense, reading between the lines, I think they're really excited about Bridgewater, and he's going to be the best rookie quarterback this year. And then I'm going to give you a couple of losers. Jermichael Finley. We only have time for one loser. We'll go around (laughs) one more time. We thought he'd be back this year, Jermichael Finley. He's not... And the, another winner, us. No more OTAs, no more minicamps. I'm out. You should have saved that for the last oh, one because we we're going around one more done. time. I told
2: you. I got a winner, Michael Floyd. I predict he will be the Cardinals' leading receiver this year. Larry Fitzgerald will become the second banana there. Loser, Zach Stacy, St. Louis Rams running back. What does that guy have to do to get a, a starting running back job? Uh, everything that Trey Mason said was true. That he's not been guaranteed a spot, Stacey, as a starting running back. Mark
3: Loser Ben Tate Thought he was going to be A lead back for this team Finds out right now I think at this point He's lucky if he's Even leading this team In carries come December
4: Wes I blew my wad on the last one You told me to go one or two Craig We're the winners (laughs) Because
5: this segment is over (laughs) The speed round We won That's it That's it Alright we'll stop We'll stop. That's I had I had more. Wes, you don't have I'll any more. Do some more. No, okay, right. I'll just make some up. Bill Laser, how Mark Cr- Sessler how about loves him.
2: Chris Johnson unnecessarily uh, raising expectations, saying he can still rush for two thousand yards, and then also comparing himself to a jailed rapper named Lil Boosie. Don't do that, bro. Wes,
5: loser, the gold standard. <sighs> wow. That's mean.
4: Well, England lost on Thursday. I'm oh, sorry. Oh.
5: Yeah, that's true. I thought you were saying because he couldn't hang out with us. Anymore.
2: As a person. No.
5: Gold TD, behind, not person?
2: behind the glasses, laughing. I don't know. That's true. <laughs> TD, winner.
5: Winner. In in the big seat, in the big chair. He's definitely
2: up in his game And here. finally, last but not least, Greg Rosenthal, the boss. <laughs> He's got nothing. It's over. Lightning round, over. Winner. Mark Sessler won. I don't know. There was no point system.
3: That's
4: the big winner. Mikey wins.
2: All right. That's it for today's show. We will be back on Monday with another week of action. There will be no action on the field, but we never rest. And that's what we do. Mark, you will be heading on vacation, so we will just push on without you.
3: I might phone in. Phone it in? You're going to phone it in? I might phone in. I might call into the show. I like that. We'll see. Maybe not.
2: All right, so Mark might phone it in on Monday. We'll all be in the Dark Dungeon here, Secondary Studio. Until then, this is Dan Hansa signing off for The Mailman, The Sizzler, The Boss, and Take Date Behind the Glass.
4: Charm.